Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Excuses are things we tell ourselves so that we don't have to face how incredibly powerful we are. And if you don't see excuses everywhere you go in your life and every minute or two when you're talking to someone, then please allow me to open up your eyes. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. On the surface, a lot of us fear that we're inadequate, not good enough, or powerless. But that's just on a superficial level. Underneath that, in the core of our being, we're afraid of being powerful. We're making excuses to avoid the responsibility and expectations that come with our true potential. Because where you are now is safe, it's comfortable, and most of the human race is standing right beside you, choosing comfort. But where could you be if you started diligently practicing self-management? If you started choosing the courageous act of subjecting yourself to difficulty? Well, that's risky, and it can be lonely, and avoiding that fear ensures most people stay stuck in mediocrity. I offer a weekly member webcast, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that, with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Consider looking at the context here of desirable difficulty. What do you want? What are you working on in yourself? And what's a way you could subject yourself to desirable difficulty to get that? So the engagement quiz that I asked you guys to do or redo last week was... uh, is a basically a list of things that is designed to show you where you're not engaged. Any of those things that you're not doing, not being, those are all opportunities to turn yourself toward some kind of desirable difficulty, whether it's exercising in the morning or uh, re- returning phone calls, messages, or you know whatever it is. Look for those things. Who do I want to be? How am I not being it? What's the assignment I can give myself? You can ask me too. I'm really good at giving people assignments that steer them into their difficulty. Remarkably, people rarely ask me to give them to them, um, but that, that would be part of desirable difficulty. And one more thing I want to say, it's probably more than one. Part of the reason why I think we avoid these kinds of things is because on the one of the deepest levels, it's something I not only subscribe to, but I've experienced myself. You've ever seen the, I think it was a Marianne Williamson quote, um, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate or powerless, but, but actually our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. I'm paraphrasing. 
it's been my experience that this is true. We have a lot of more superficial fears of, ah, I'm afraid of failure. I can't do this. This, I'm not enough for this. I can't rise to this challenge. That's on the surface. But if you push yourself hard and long enough and go really digging into the depths of your psyche, what you'll discover is that while on one hand, all of that is true and real and needs to be worked through, shame and inadequacy, powerlessness, and, and all that is true. But what is underneath that, the bottom two-thirds of the iceberg, is a fear of actually being incredibly powerful. So I would like to give you a, to kind of plant a seed and give you an inquiry here. What if you were multiple times, what if you were 10x more powerful than you actually experience yourself to be? Take that in for a second. What if you were 10x more powerful, 10x more resilient, courageous, effective, productive, skilled in having difficult conversations, in leading and managing, in being organized, everywhere in your life, the way you show up? What if your capacity is 10 times that, an order of magnitude, such that if you were being that, the current version of you would be unrecognizable? Be like, who is that? That is your potentiality, your capacity. Because to me, the way it looks is all of the excuses that we make. Excuse comes from the Latin, uh, Greek, actually. No, Latin. Ex causa, I can't remember. Uh, outer cause, an excuse like the one I mentioned before. I don't know how, but I don't know how. In the day and age of Google, that excuse is really wearing thin. But I didn't know how. I don't know how. I remember that one as a kid, my mother was always asking me to empty the dishwasher, but I don't know where everything goes. Look at me, I'm powerless to empty the dishwasher. Like, you've lived in this house for, you know, 12 years. You you couldn't make a guess. You could ask. I'm over here. You could be emptying the dishwasher. It's all the excuses. If you really feel them, they have a kind of, but I'm powerless vibe to it. But I didn't get your email. But I was so busy. But uh, it's weak. Excuses are things we tell ourselves so that we don't have to face how incredibly powerful we are. And if you don't see excuses everywhere you go in your life and every minute or two when you're talking to someone, then please allow me to open up your eyes during this course. Maybe I'll do a whole course on just excuses. And I've been releasing my excuse collection in the newsletter that comes out on Sundays. So be reading that as well. So excuses are not weak in and of themselves. They're a sort of pretense of weakness that allows us to stay small, which is a kind of safety. Because that power that you are, that you have and that you are, It's risky. It's going to scare some people. It's going to make some people jealous. It might make you unpopular, might end some friendships, might create some new ones, certainly too. But the desire to belong is for most people not necessarily, they wouldn't necessarily admit this when it's not necessarily conscious, but the desire to belong 
is near the top of people's values list unconsciously. And this is one of the sources of mediocrity. Because as they say in Japan, the nail that sticks up gets pounded down. Now we here in the United States, we're a lot more individualistic than that culture. But not as much as you might think. Because when you really start to touch into your greatness, if you don't scare some of the people around you, alienate some of the people around you, make jealous some of the people around you, you haven't done it. You're not doing it. Because that's just what happens. Now, how you navigate that and what you do with that is another story. But when you really inhabit what you see, Angel's experienced some of this with his parents. If it doesn't create conflict, now how you navigate that is a whole other story. I'm not saying you need to alienate or need to scare, but I'm saying if you don't see like, whoa, I see X, and if I actually brought this, that would cause this to crumble. I can see codependence in a relationship in about 10 seconds. Sometimes I don't even need to hear the people speaking. Sometimes I can just see it the way two people are walking across the street. Or if the woman is always driving the man, usually not a good indicator for the balance of the relationship. If I went around just speaking to the virulent codependence I see in, in male-female relationships or any kind of relationships, I would be even more unpopular than I already am. <laughs> right? But I don't shut down that faculty and pretend it's not there. And guess what? Do you think that's easy? Do you think that's easy talking to a couple who is like, yeah, we're having some difficulty and there's a part of me holding my nose energetically that is like, oh my God, this relationship stinks because you're together for all the wrong reasons. On one level, that's true. On another level, hey, they're doing what they're doing and learning what they're learning and who am I to say? But, you know... When you start to touch into your faculties of perception and ability to see and act, you know, like for example, how many of you, since being exposed to my teachings, are have started to see how incredible how incredibly irresponsible people are with responsiveness to emails and messages? Right? Have you noticed? Yes. Right. Right. That's usually one of the first things that I poison in people, where they're like, "Man." It was okay. And now suddenly I'm surrounded by incompetent people who can't respond to a freaking message. Right. And now what do you do with that? You see they need supervision. You see you're having to remind them and do their job for them. And you got to hold that and not vent your frustration at them, depending on your relationship with them. But if you're, if you're overseeing them, if, if you're their manager, now you're responsible for bearing that discomfort. And leading them to a place where they can see they could be a lot more grown up by actually responding to their messages, which is really like something a 13 year old could do. And it just, there's more and more and more levels from that. I, I felt like uh, I, I probably should have just put it on the Slack channel because it was so timely. I met with a new uh, person here in Spokane that moved here from the Bay Area and uh, he invited me out to lunch and he um, he didn't show. So I, I chose the place. I chose the time. I sent the invite. He didn't show. So at five minutes after 
uh, noon, I just said, hey, just want to check to see if you're en route. Didn't hear anything from him. So it exactly, you know, 15 minutes after said, well, it looks like we're not meeting for lunch today, you know, and just left it at that. And and then he came back and his first response was, um, it didn't make my calendar. <laughs> and, and there is and there was there's no apology, there was no ownership. It was like it's like, hi Ed, it didn't make my calendar, Scott. And I'm like, and I just let it sit there. And in my head, I'm like, I felt like, you know, immediately becoming a my own version of, of Joseph and going, Oh, that's interesting. Really curious because you invited me and I actually took ownership and sent an invite. Did you not receive the invite that I sent Even if you? you didn't or, send you know, it, I, he was still responsible, right? It was an agreement, right? Yeah. And uh, so I just, I just let it sit out there. I let it sit. For, and it took about a day and I wasn't trying to like punish him. I was just like, okay, so that happened. Interesting. And then he followed up and he said, hey, I just wanted to apologize. Really, my bad. Not a good way to start off uh, a, a, a new relationship. Can I buy you lunch this Thursday at noon? Nice. I'm, like, I'm like, okay. And I said, you know what? There's no need to buy me lunch. But yeah, let's meet Thursday. I, you know, like, I didn't want him to feel like, like I'm, I'm not, you know, very gracious. I'm like, okay, that was enough to. It was enough to offer. It was yeah. enough to offer. So we're actually going to lunch right after uh, this call. So. Very gracious of you. Interesting. So good, yeah. good for you. You you made a discernment call there to hold back smacking him awake when he didn't apologize at first, and he arrived there on their own, his own. Uh, that, that's a great sign for him, right? That means he's not emotionally nine years old. Yeah, he's more like fifteen. Yeah, which is yeah. which is workable, but most people are not beyond eighteen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, any anything in the up in the mid to upper teens is is good. I mean, the vast majority of the population is stuck at like ten. I mean, that's like the peak of you know, just like an instant gratification. You know, people are like, I don't know what it is. I just can't can't stop eating this chocolate cake. Oh, like a ten year old? Like that's what that is. I'm not saying there aren't some good reasons for that. I'm just saying, like, from an objective standards kind of place, an, an adult doesn't do that. I had an experience this morning um, that was somewhat similar. I, it was actually at the Social Security office <laughs> when I discovered they're asking questions that the woman who had taken my application a month and a half ago, um, who called me back uh, on the 8th of August and said, um, oh, I see you're not there. I don't want to leave a detailed message, but I'll call you back this afternoon or tomorrow. Well, she never called. And um, I find out today uh, that she was waiting for me to to say if I was okay with the, with the condition of the of whatever it was, which she had never informed me of. So <laughs> I was, she was, she I was, was waiting for you to get back to her about the thing she never told you. That's, that's correct. <laughs> so um, I was uh, I was you know on my high horse about how I'm noticing how people are irresponsible, but luckily for me. You have been repeating things long enough that in the back of my mind came out this thing and said, oh, wait a minute, what's my contribution to this? And I was able to name three things that I contributed to the situation. Wow. And that was, it was humbling, but it was also 
it was it, it allowed me to um to put away my anger and frustration at her and be very okay with the situation and realizing that okay it is what it is it's going to get resolved now and i can go on with life and not worry about it anymore nice so i appreciate having that voice in the back of my head uh to say oh well wait a minute what's my contribution to this and nice very yeah. good yeah so ed and peter both have shared examples where it's not appropriate necessarily uh, not appropriate probably not productive to grab people by the scruff of the neck and stick their nose in their own mess in any way, shape, or form. And so that's a skill, the wise discernment to go, okay, we have an irresponsible person here. Uh, what can I do with it? I'll leave space, um, own, look at my side. Those are all productive things to do because you don't have jurisdiction, coaching term, management term, you don't have jurisdiction to evolve them. That's one domain. When you're, in a, when you're in a domain where you do have jurisdiction, you're their mentor, their manager, their parent, it's another matter. I mean, the first thing to discernment about whether to do anything at all is certainly good and watch your own reactivity. But the, the, when they're in your charge, that's when you can start to also look at what's the desirable difficulty I might subject them to so that they can see this. It's a form, that's, now we're in accountability land. Right. And part of the art of self management is includes noticing when is the right time to assert accountability, when to assert that you do have jurisdiction and when you don't. Uh, and a lot of times you just learn that by trial and error. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.